This path will lead you to an unholy place, a cemetery. Hello everybody, Foggy Jack here, the lost boy, oddball of magic, and the host of the Foggy Jack 13 podcast. I'll meet you down in the pumpkin patch where the haunters meet the haunted. Walks Radio, Episode 7. Tonight we feature a haunted city of Ontario, Kitchener. Yes, this is the technology capital of Ontario and is home to the Blackberry and other devices and services that most of us would get a headache over just thinking about. So allow me to calm things down just a little bit, dive into the history of this great city, and of course, explore its ghosts. I'm your host, Daniel Cumulato, and since helping found Canada's second oldest online paranormal group, Haunted Hamilton, I've been in love with ghost stories. I've heard so many over the years, and I've never stopped being interested, and it's never stopped amazing me. Now, about Ghost Walks Radio, this is a show dedicated to ghost stories, which are personal experiences and legends told by you. Now, why personal experiences and ghost stories? Why have they always fascinated me? Because people all over the world are coming together with these stories, and in turn, they are proving the existence of ghosts. Now, why do I believe in ghosts? Well, think about it. Everything around us, including ourselves, is made up of energy, and ghosts our energy. Is it really so hard to believe that when we die, a little bit piece of that gets left behind? I don't think so, and that's why this show exists. Now, the format of this show is simple. It is pre-recorded, so unfortunately, call-ins will not be answered. However, if you have a ghost story and you want it to be featured on the air, write your experience out in an email or record it onto a sound file using your computer or cell phone or any recording device. And then you're going to email that to info, I-N-F-O, at ghostwalks.com and I will feature your ghost story on the air. It's that easy. Also, feel free to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ghostwalksradio for show updates and events, personal ghost stories, and more. And now for the first location out of Kitchener, featured here on Ghost Walks Radio. What we have is Kitchener's oldest standing residence, the Joseph Snyder House. Now this is a beautiful and historic house built on Queen Street South in downtown Kitchener. Now, it has a Mennonite past, 
which is very much expected for a historic and true Kitchener dwelling. And this is the oldest remaining one, dating all the way back to 1816, and today is run as a museum dedicated to Mennonite history, which really is Kitchener history when you think about it. Now, it was built by a Pennsylvania-born German and a Mennonite named Joseph Schneider. He was part of a large group of Mennonites who left Pennsylvania and settled in Waterloo almost 200 years ago. Now, they left during the American Revolution. And during this time, as the Americans were pushing the British right off the continent, at least that was their hope, these Mennonites desired to remain under British rule. And they were lured into Canada and settled in Waterloo, knowing that they would stay under British rule, also knowing they would be given cheap land to build on. Now, Schneider was sort of a leader among the community. And the settlers, when they came over, they figured Schneider to be their leader and even said that he would be the founder of this city. And to this very day, people sometimes credit Schneider with being the founder of Kitchener. After all, he did open the first local road when getting there. He also opened the first school to ever be built in the area. And for the Mennonites, he would open a meeting house and even a church, which was one of the first around for the entire community. This was a great man, and many mourned when he died in 1843. But his sons took up the cause, and they continued the family farm, and continued being a leader for that community. Now, going back to the house, it is historically significant, of course, but it also has a resident ghost, a very strong spirit, one that they call a mysterious woman because they are not sure who she is or when she dates from, but they do know for sure that she is in that house. And she's not wandering the halls or going in and out of the rooms, but instead she is located only inside of a parlor mirror. Now she has been seen sitting in a chair in the parlor room on the first floor, snipping at something with scissors. And when she's seen, it's only while looking through the image cast by this mirror. Now the woman never acknowledges the witness's gaze. And even when she gets up and walks out of the room, going into the kitchen and disappearing out of sight, it was like she never knew you were there. Now, seeing a spirit in the mirror does happen a lot. For those who aren't experienced with this, you need to know that it does happen. It is reported. We even have a very vivid one from Niagara-on-the-Lake, Molly Maguire, who appears in the Prince of Wales Hotel. So knowing that a spirit inside of a mirror is not uncommon makes this even more believable. Now, there have been many reports of this woman being seen in the mirror only. She's never seen outside of it. But a lot of other experiences in the Joseph Snyder house talk about the feeling of being watched when you're in any of the rooms and also the feeling that you are never alone, even when you are alone. Now, I did mention about a spirit that appeared in a mirror in Niagara-on-the-Lake, and I will just touch upon that very quickly. And this happened at the Prince of Wales Hotel. Now, the full story of Molly Maguire and what occurred to her and the other things that happened in the hotel can be heard on the Ghost Walk of Niagara-on-the-Lake, which we run all year long. 
But just to tell you about this one piece, it happened to a couple staying overnight in the famous haunted room of the Prince of Wales, in room 207, and in the middle of the night they heard a noise coming from the bathroom. Now they got up to investigate this, they would open the bathroom door and they would turn on the light and would be horrified to see a woman with long brown hair, just like Molly Maguire's, staring at them from within the bathroom mirror. Now this couple would check out in the middle of the night, and before they left they told the concierge the entire story, and that's how we have it now. But just an example that ghosts do appear in mirrors, helping to prove that the other stories told in different locations do have some basis. Our next story isn't really a story at all, but more of a legend of Kitchener. Now this is interesting because of the time that it comes from. Now legends aren't full historical accounts. When you have a ghost experience, you could know that somebody who's telling it, if they are an honest person, are giving you a true account of something that happened to them personally. But what we have in a legend is a grain of truth that starts out at the beginning and then it builds over time. Now this is coming from truth. It all does. But what has happened and what has built up over the years may have been skewed a little bit. And we're starting to think that with this story, that might be the case. Especially the time period from when it comes from, which is the Great Depression of the 1930s. And just like every city in all of North America was affected by that Great Depression, so was Kitchener. And in 1933, we have a fable of a local lawyer driving home on one rainy night. And in the distance, he sees the shadow of a man standing at the side of the road, soon illuminated by his headlights, and the shadow transforms into a drenched old man standing hunched over, his long white beard stuck against his chest on his shirt. And the lawyer quickly stops to help this man, remember this is a different time, stops, pulls over the car, unlocks the back door, and the old man opens the door and crawls in. And the, the lawyer uh, turns to look at the old man through the rearview mirror, and he says to him, Well, times are pretty tough on you, aren't they? And the old man quickly replies as if he had expected this to be said, They are, but the depression's over. Mark my words, it ended on June 7th. Now the driver was confused. He knew the depression wasn't even close to being over. He just laughed it off as a possibly deranged old man, maybe sick from the rain he had been standing in for so long, and just said to him, You seem to know. The old man was quiet in the back seat. The lawyer, confused, he repeated again without looking back, I say, sir, you seem to know. And the old man remained quiet. The driver, afraid he had offended this man, spun around quickly to look into the back seat, and he found it empty. The old man had simply vanished. Now, could this be a fable? and not a legend, dedicated to those confusing times of the Great Depression. 
Now, it's hard to connect those two sides considering the story really doesn't have a, a moral or a lesson learned. Uh, really, it's just a spooky ghost story. So you have to wonder from that point of view, is it possible that what we have here is a ghostly experience that turned into a legend over time? But either way, like the other stories of Kitchener, this has become a part of their history. The following is an account of the famous crystal skull of Lubinton. This was discovered by the daughter of a famous explorer in 1924, would be named after the discoverer called the Mitchell Hedges Skull, and would set off many scientific debates for decades and still does to this day. Now, the reason I am talking about this with Kitchener is that the skull resided in the city of Kitchener for many, many years, from 1967 onward until the discoverer, a woman named Anna, passed away in, I believe, the early 2000s. I'm not sure. Sorry about that. But either way, it did reside in Kitchener during that time. And many people came from all over to see the skull. And scientists as well picked up it to try and determine when it was made to hopefully deny the skull's authenticity, something that they never ended up doing. Now, the following is uh, an account uh, is a, a clip I'm going to play for you from a, a website known as How Stuff Works. It is more of a modern account, and it was featured on the Crystal Skull. Now, in this, the website tries to deny the skull's authenticity. However, the fact will remain that this has been examined by many scientists over the years, including the lab folks at the famous printing and tech company known as Hewlett-Packard, or HP for short, and none of them have been able to prove that the skull is a fake. Here are the facts. As pieces of art, crystal skulls are impressive creations. Experts agree the most famous crystal skulls were carved from single blocks of quartz, most likely from Madagascar or Brazil. The craftsmanship of these skulls is sophisticated, leading mainstream researchers to believe that they were made by artists in Germany. But when these skulls were first discovered, people stated that they were Mesoamerican relics predating the Columbian age. Some even claimed that the skulls could be as much as 36,000 years old. Today these claims are dismissed, but in their time they were taken quite seriously. Are crystal skulls something more than artistic masterpieces? To answer this question, we'll need to look at the most famous crystal skull and the bizarre, contradicting stories of its discovery. Here's where it gets crazy. The most famous crystal skull is known as the Mitchell Hedges skull, and according to its alleged discoverer, Anna Mitchell Hedges, it is no ordinary crystal. Anna claimed that she discovered the skull in 1924 while at a Maya excavation site in Belize with her father, the British explorer F.A. Mitchell Hedges. F.A. Mitchell Hedges was known as an international adventurer and a man with a tendency to make extravagant claims. Historians believe the man may have actually purchased the skull in advance and hidden it for his daughter to find as a birthday present. Yet neither Anna nor the media handled the story as one of an ordinary gift. Instead, the skull was presented as evidence of a civilization that predated the known history of Mesoamerica. And these claims persist today, despite fairly extensive research by experts in Mesoamerican history, the study of quartz, and engineering. 
So what are the claims exactly? Some proponents of New Age spiritual practice believe the crystal skulls, regardless of their pedigree, may be useful tools for scrying, seeing into the future, or meditating. Since the conspiracy theorists who believe crystal skulls are supernatural generally ignore the scientific conclusions that contradict their beliefs, their theories are not hindered by the burden of proof and quickly spin into intricate, bizarre tales. First, there's the belief that there are, somewhere in the world, 13 crystal skulls left by anyone from Mayan elders to Atlantean priests or denizens of the Hollow Earth. Second, that these skulls contain some sort of vital information for our planet, and this information could be accessed either by bringing the skulls together in a specific pattern, or by the acts of people who were born to seek out these skulls. These are all fascinating stories, but the evidence proves they have little basis in fact. Experts who have examined the skulls have proven that the carvings show evidence of tools used recently in Europe, rather than in some mythic temple before the dawn of modern man. Yet the crystal skull enthusiasts claim that the Mitchell Hedges skull changes color, emanates sound and psychic impressions, and generates hot or cold sensations when touched, all while remaining at the same constant temperature. These alleged effects have not been proven by scientists, but still the debate continues. For people who really believe that crystal skulls are supernatural, the findings of researchers and scientists are, at best, misled. Yet with so much evidence piling up to contradict the Mitchell Hedges' claims, it's difficult to take their story at face value. Did F.A. Mitchell accidentally inspire a New Age phenomenon when he tried to give his daughter an amazing birthday gift? Or are the fans of Crystal Skulls correct when they claim there's something they don't want you to know? Well, thank you for listening for our show dedicated to Kitchener hauntings and legends. As a final note, as a side note, on this February the 2nd, this Saturday coming up, I will be co-hosting a special ghost hunt night at the Hamilton Custom House. I can't wait to tell my own personal experiences from such a haunted location while standing inside that location. If you're interested in attending, you can reserve at www.ghostwalks.com slash custom house or go to ghostwalks.com. You can click on the link from there. More will be happening in 2013. So if you're listening to this show from the future... Namely, after February 2nd, go ahead and check the site, and we may be having one during your time period. Now, remember to send us your ghost stories to be featured on Ghost Walks Radio. Send them to info, I-N-F-O, at ghostwalks.com, and written or recorded files are accepted. And join us next Wednesday at 11 p.m. for Ghost Walks Radio. The subject of next week's show will be posted at facebook.com slash ghostwalksradio by next Tuesday. So like us on there, especially if you really do like us. Thanks for listening, and have a good night.
Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Please follow us on all our social medias at FoggyJack13. Also, make sure you subscribe to YouTube and to our Patreon. Hope to see you all next time down in the pumpkin patch. Thank you, goodbye, and blessed be. Go!